Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Coming to you from the beautiful city of Los Angeles, California, where we get you ready for Game 2 in Boston. We recap Game 1 in Houston. The Halos are in first place. What? What? Life is generally, generally good, unless you're a Rockets fan, and maybe... Maybe at the end of the night, you're a uh, if you're a Cavaliers fan, NBA draft lottery upon us. If you have a question or a comment about guys coming out in the NBA draft or who should be drafted, where you call us, we may take some work in some calls. Eight seven seven ninety nine on Fox. Eight seven seven ninety nine on Fox. Do 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 do. Um, look, sometimes. I I love to think that we're smarter than dogs. Like we're human beings. We're smarter than dogs, but some of our innate instincts are just like the canine variety, right? Like my dog, I take my dog for a little jaunt in the park every single morning. 
So much so that at 4.15 in the morning, this morning, my dog was like, like bumping into the bed. Hey, dude, time to get up. And I was like, no, it ain't. But um, usually my dog, I don't use a leash. I take him to the park. He does his lap. I'm sorry he takes a dump in the bushes. But they are in the bushes and on the grass. If it's on the grass, I pick it up. If it's in the bushes, I do not. Well, with any dog, if I get a little treat, my dog doesn't even like, the, the crazy thing is he doesn't really like human food. So I'll get little pieces of leftover gristle, leftover steak that he doesn't even necessarily like. And he will make a beeline for other dogs because he just wants to play. I he'll be sniffing around. I can't. I break out those treats. Oh, 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 you got oh treats. Or as uh, we say in our house, squirrel. You guys know the movie Up? Remember when there's the golden retriever named Doug? Or the dog named Doug? And he's got the, he, you can hear his actual voice. He's got the translator on. He's having a conversation about his owner and a squirrel. There are things that we all fall for. Three card money. You ever play three card money? You're in Times Square. You're like three card money. Like I can do this. I can do this. I've done it on the jumbotron at Petco Park. I've done it on the d- jumbotron at at the uh, at the Arizona Cardinals football game. I've done this before. I've been to Dolphin Stadium. I've seen three card money. I know where it is. And all of a sudden, the guy starts talking and moving around. And next thing you know, you're like, you put down 20 bucks. You, you're like, whoa, what happened? That's what happened to the Houston Rockets last night. Right? The Rockets are, in fact, an ISO-heavy team. They do have one, actually two, incredibly dominant ISO ball handler guys in Chris Paul and James Harden. And just like I can lure my dog into anything with a treat, even if it's one that he's not going to eat, the Golden State Warriors, all they did was lure James Harden into the exact kind of game they wanted James Harden to play. Where no one else gets the ball, he goes one-on-one, and he had 41 points. He still doesn't even know what hit him. He's like, well, you know, we turned it over too much. 13 turnovers, not that many turnovers. He shot a good percentage, 41 points. What What in the hell happened? How did this happen? What happened? I was watching them go around with the three-card money with the shell, the shell or shell game, and and, and I, I knew I had the right one, and I, and I, and that, and what happened? I think even Mike D'Antoni doesn't know what happened. Here's D'Antoni after the game asked if he's going to make any changes. Oh my gosh, the ISO, that's all we do. No, and that's what we do best. We score like 60% of the time on it. It's like uh, all of a sudden, oh, they don't pass everybody's stand. Really? You watch this for 82 games? That's what we do. We are who we are, and we're pretty good at it, and we can't get off who we are. We are who we are. No, this is a bad incarnation of it. Bad incarnation of it. This happens in television. I said earlier on Cowherd, there's a lot of guys that are super talented on TV and they have this kind of little alter ego or they have something they say or a little bit of shtick, if you will. But the shtick can't be the main thing that makes you the substances. Right? Once you get once you become all shtick, you're all hat, no cattle.
And that's what's happened to the Houston Rockets. They're like, look, best thing we do is ISO game. So the Warriors are like, cool. Why don't you do that all the time? They had more isolations in that game than any game this year in the NBA. Crazy stat, right? And all it was was the Golden State Warriors going like, hey, you know what we're going to do? We're going to make James Harden beat us by himself. And though it may end up causing us to give up 30, 40, 50 points to James Harden, we got three dudes that can score. We can spread it around. We can beat you in transition. We can frustrate everybody else to where now they don't play as hard defensively. They're not as bought in and they're not uh, as useful because they're not getting the basketball. They walked right into a trap. I needed Admiral Akbar to be sitting there behind the bench with Mike D'Antoni. It's a trap! That's a trap! Man, I've gotten a lot in here. I've gotten three-card money. I've gotten my dog. I've gotten Admiral Akbar. Whew. Gotten a lot in. And we're only six and a half minutes into the show. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Like, I'd like to think that Golden State will play worse and they probably will and lose a game. But remember, that was the least close, like, what was was the final score? 10? 10, 10-point 10 game I can remember. And Steph Curry didn't even play well. 13-point game. 13-point game, Steph didn't play well. And James Harden shoots a good percentage and has, what, 41 points? It's crazy. So, um, look, there's some things game. And here's the last thing. Does anybody outside of Houston Rocket fans actually like watching James Harden play basketball? I'm not sitting here telling you that James Harden isn't awesome. He is. He can make shots and make play. has a unique style of playing, of driving, to which he draws fouls. He's a great step-back move. Yeah, sometimes he does, in fact, travel on it and gets away with it. He's got clever, creative shots. He's willing to pass the basketball. He throws a cool alley-oop to, to Clint Capella every now and again. But the overuse of the dribble, the lack of self-awareness in how sometimes he looks in terms of his body language, like he's disconnected from the game or from his teammates. There's a lack of emotion there at times. I'm not saying that it's the flopping or throwing the head back. It's the culmination. It's, it's all of it to get the, the manifestation in my mind of, of throwing the head back, lack of understanding for what, you know, how, how he looks to us over dribbling, Jumping in, drawing fouls, some of the flopping. The manifestation is my feeling that he's really, really hard to watch. It's un, it's not, I'm not saying he's not good. He's not great, but I don't like watching it. I'm sure all of you have a, there's a band like that. Oh, you gotta go see. I'll tell you who mine is. You ready for it? Bruce Springsteen. Oh, man, Bruce Springsteen, all those songs. It's just written, I feel like, just for me. He's up there two and a half, three hours, sweating. He's unbelievable. Like, yeah, I, I'm not disputing that he's not great for you. He's not an all-timer in terms of concert performer. 
He's got some ridiculous albums. They just don't speak to me. I'm not into them. Nor am I really into sitting into a concert for three hours. Like, that's just too long for me. I don't have that type of attention span. Just play me your 10 best hits. Go off stage. Pretend like you're not coming back. Come back and play the encore and play your two biggest songs ever. Good night. Drive home safely. Like, that's all I ask. This is not that hard. Bruce Springsteen's like a super likable James Harden in that I'm not disputing that they're great, but I've never once thought to myself, you know what I got to go see this summer? The boss. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Jim Jackson joins us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Of course, superstar high school, college pro player, uh, currently covers all sports and basketball and the big three for uh, Fox Sports and joins us now on Fox Sports Radio. Athlete, musician, movie that you know is great, <laughs> you know is great, but you uh-huh. just, you just, you can't get into. Uh, athlete, musician, and what was the other one? Movie. Yeah, I, I just said this. I said, You know look, what? I, I, I couldn't get into Pulp Fiction. Really? I tried it. I, I couldn't, I, I couldn't get into it, man. I just, I tried, I tried, but for whatever reason, it didn't push the right, it didn't push the right button for me. Everybody was raving over it. Me? Eh. Eh. Yeah, listen, I watched the Avengers this this past weekend. I just, too much death, you know, too, too many side stories about stuff that I don't know about because I didn't, I had a life as, as a child. I did not read comic books. Uh, but anyway, I mean, it was visually pleasing, but it was a lot. And I brought my nine-year-old son, and there's just dead bodies everywhere in that movie. But anyway. Um, that's like this. That's like uh, uh, John Wick. You see John Wick, too? No. Uh, let's just say, I didn't see the first one, but I went and saw the second one. I mean, it was so many people getting killed in that movie. It didn't even make sense, man. I mean, it was just like literally bodies everywhere. Yeah, I, I love that we make like comic book <laughs> movies, then we wonder why we have so many problems with people shooting so many people. You're like, man, where would where uh, they get these ideas? I don't even know. All right, uh, uh, I said this. <laughs> I said this about James Harden. Like, look, I get it. He's awesome. Okay, but I just the body language, the over dribbling, and I don't know whether he's worn out from playing offense or he just doesn't care about defense. But it's one of those he'll get in the stance and look like he's going to do something, and then they go right around him. Um, I just I struggle to get into James Harden. Tell me what I'm missing. Well, you, you're missing the fact that the coaches allow him to get away with it, Doug. I mean, you can't. Your father coached. You came up in a system where in, in college you were held to a certain a higher level, not just being the point guard of distributing, but you had to be the leader. You had to play defense. All these things. The great players, the great coaches, hold their best players accountable. That's what Popovich does. You've seen him rail on Tony Parker, on Ginobili, on, on Tim Duncan. Same thing with Riley, with Phil Jackson, uh, the list, Larry Brown with AI. They hold their players accountable. Yeah, I want you to be our offensive juggernaut. I want you to go out and score. But at the same time, if you're going to be our leader, lead in different aspects, you don't have to be the best defensive player. Look at Steph Curry. He's not the best. Steve Nash. But, man, you know what? They gave the effort. And from a teammate's perspective, I'm not always looking over my shoulder like, man, we got to cover for you all the time. At least give me the effort. Right. And, and that's the issue that I have with James Harden because from an offensive perspective, I mean, come on, man, totally gifted. But it's like when I get a puppy, okay, I gotta, and I'm got i not 
comparing James Harden or anybody about that. I, 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 I understand. It's okay. Keep going. But i got to train them early on so they don't go to the bathroom in the house. Now, if I don't train them and they keep going to the bathroom, then I punish them. They're looking at me like, well, bro, you let me get away with this this whole time. Now you want to get upset. I mean, you can't, can't do that. Okay, so help me out with the puppy thing. Uh, just uh, listen, this is an aside. This had nothing to do with James Harden. When you would have oh. a puppy and you would be house training it, would you put their nose in it? Would you hit them with a paper? Would you just put them out? Like, what was your, what's your routine? Well, quick thing is, if, if you with a dog, you'd understand something. You have to be able to correct them right then. Right. Because five, two minutes, three minutes, five minutes later, they don't know what they did. Right. So you got to be right there. So it's two things. One, a loud no, because that, 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 that startles them. Two, yes, you put their nose in it. But I'll also use a technique where I use a little shot collar where I would put little things around the house and I would go hide. Okay? So as soon as they went to go pick up something, it would ping them just a little bit. Because what Burr. they would do is Burr. they would take the what yeah they would take the association of that little ping with that item and wouldn't pick it back up. There you go, Jim Jackson. Uh, he's <laughs> he's also uh, what is he? He's also the dog whisperer. He joins us. I'm on, the dog whisperer. Uh, he joins us on the dog Doug Gottlieb whisperer. show. Uh, was 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 it me or was that seemingly the game plan? Which is like, hey, I don't, I'm not saying let James Harden get his, but make him fight for his, and let's and let's stay stay you know stay locked on to everybody else. So they can't get those lobs. They can't get those open threes. It almost felt like, I don't know if you saw the stat, there are more ISOs in that game than in any other game this season. It felt like they almost played, I know that's what they do, but they almost did it way more so than ever before, played into the Warriors' hands. Well, well they did. You think about it. They're 30th in the league in passing the basketball. And, and here's the thing. In their two wins during the regular season uh, against Golden State Houston, Eric Gordon was a big part of that. He had 30... 31 and 30, I believe it was, in those two games. So he had an okay game, but not the same kind of impact. If I'm Golden State, I so it's easy. Doug, you know it's easier to play structured defense against a team that's standing still. Right. Because now I can sink in a little bit more, take away lanes. If you're going to score, James Harden had to work so hard to get a shot compared to Kevin Durant or even Clay with their constant ball movement and body movement. It's way more difficult to guard a Golden State team because they moved the ball as compared to Houston. And I'm going to tell you something, Doug. I played in Phoenix with Mike D'Antoni. Um, Steve Nash did control the ball a lot, but he dribbled with purpose. The ball moved around the perimeter so effortlessly. The pick and rolls were quick and decisive. It was tough to guard. The three best players for Houston, they're ISO players. The three best players for Golden State, Catch and shoot, off the dribble, back door cut, multiple moving. That's why they're tough to guard. Jim Jackson joining us in the Doug Gottlieb show. What was was LeBron limited in terms? Did he just not have it in terms of going by guys, or did he? Uh, the only thing I can offer up is the possibility that they get down twenty five, and he thought to himself, "All right, look, let me see kind of how they're playing. It's going to take way too much energy to try and come back and win this game." Instead, let me conserve my energy, just kind of go out and try some things and try and win game two. I just got to win one of these two games. What, which, yeah. which, which of it was it? Was he really just limited, or did he kind of put himself in self-check? I think it was a combination of both. I think early on, the lack of the three-point shot being effective for Cleveland played into the fact now all they could do, I'm going to shrink it. 
Uh-oh. Losing Jim. Somewhere. Did we, did we call him? Was he on a golf course or a cigar bar? Or maybe it's his his dog got a hold of his phone, right? He's like, oh, you shot colored me. Oh, I'll take care of your cell phone is what I'll do. Yeah. Let's bring back in Jim Jackson. Okay, Jim, so... Um, what do the what do the Cavs have? What do the Cavs do tonight in order to try and be, beat the Celtics? Well, one they got to shoot the ball better from behind three. George Hill, Kyle Korver, Kevin Love—they were three for eleven. I mean, that just can't happen. This is a three-point shooting team. It's not like when they had the luxury of having Kyrie, as you know, Doug. Somebody else that can really break you down and get to the gap. And against this Boston team, this really good defense. If you don't have someone that can break you down then they're going to have to be able to, one, knock down deep shots, two, defensively get some stops and get out in transition and get some easier baskets because Boston's defense, I mean, from a half-court perspective, they got bodies, they got limp, they got size. So to me, it's about those two combinations right there in regards to knocking down shots. But having the ability, as you know, in, in, in playoff games, how can we squeeze out points and buckets outside of our conventional offense, whether that's, you know, underneath out of bounds, uh, turnovers in transition, things like that. Those little things I think can help the Cavs as you go into uh, tonight's game to try to get a W. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. Al Horford is one of those guys that I remember when he signed his big deal and moved over yep. uh, from, from the Hawks, people freaked out. And now I think they're finally starting to understand, wait, oh, he can play the four, he can play the five. He's more of a five nowadays. Uh, but he can defend multiple positions. He can shoot well enough to keep you honest. He can score. Kevin Love couldn't guard him. Um, like, is it is it just a good matchup, or is Al Horford a lot better than the respect he traditionally gets? Well, he's a lot better uh, because in Atlanta, you got a chance to see a little bit of what he could do. You know he could always shoot the basketball, pick and pop. He wasn't overly athletic, so you didn't pay attention to him. But in this Boston system, surrounded by the players and, of course, Brad Stevens, he's been able to open up his offensive package. And he actually looks a little bit more athletic, ironically, you know, in this in this series. But, Doug, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Whose game – game two is more important than who? Boston or the Cavs? Uh, I think the Cavs, to be honest with you. You think I, so? I, I know that Boston is undefeated at home, and it's super important to them. It's super important to them. Uh, they're, they're still under, yeah, I mean, I, I understand you're going to say Cleveland, but man, Cleveland gets down 0-2, it'd be the first time since 06 or down 0-2. Uh, it's, it's fairly equal, but I would say Cleveland because they're still the favorite. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I struggle with that, but I, I, I like to switch and look at it from this perspective, from Boston's perspective, because they haven't had success in the playoffs on the road that you can't go into this and give up home court advantage because now if you're talking about going 1-1 okay, with, with Cleveland, they lose tonight, now you're on the road for two. Yeah, you won a game on the road against Philly, but throughout this playoff this year, you haven't really been a really good road team. But to me, it's so important that they go up 2-0 to not have to worry about that part of coming back to Boston, possibly down 3-1. Think about the mindset behind that aspect of it. Uh, playing so well, but then give that up and not being able to win on the road. I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting. Uh, also, draft lottery tonight. Uh, we've seen some of these teams tank. If but you, <laughs> really? And, oh man, it's, it's, I mean, like I, I saw people being critical, like, "Oh, Phoenix shouldn't get it because they." T-. I was like, "Dude, Memphis won one what road game in 2018. 
Like Dallas, yeah. they shut down. You should see the guys that Dallas was throwing out there in the in the fourth quarter to try and lose games. Uh, if you had to put your salary, which is a lot of money, would you have to put your salary uh, on one guy being an all-star in this draft, who would it be? In this draft, oh. I didn't say one of the all-time greats. I just said an all-star. No, no, no. See, that's the thing, because it's always the guy that slips under the radar that you're not paying attention to. Not necessarily. To. I mean, like, sometimes, sometimes the best answer is the most obvious answer. Well, I mean, you could say, okay, you can say DeAndre Ayton, but it's the game today in today's world where, where he's going to be. Bagley is it in his world. Trey Young, I don't know. You could it be a Miles Bridges? That's a good question, man. If I had to put my money, I ain't putting my money anywhere. I don't bet. <laughs> would you? Uh, would you draft Trey Young? Uh, you know the big question in the league is can his body hold up? You know for eighty-two games. I mean that's that from from scouts and what I'm getting. I, I love the way he plays. I think he picked up a lot of bad habits. Mon Kruger, but if I'm in an up and down game, I I don't know if I draft him real high though. I, I'd rather if I can get him late first round, I'll take him. But he's not he's not going he's not going to go late first round. Some owner, yeah, some owner is going to elbow you and go, hey dude, <laughs> no, like, like Orlando, like why would you go to Orlando Magic game? So you're going to draft him, and and of course if you draft him top five, top ten, you're going to play him right away. Yeah, and I, I think those bad what, habits. That's what Sacramento drafted Jimmy for that too. I know. Okay, look what happened. I know. You drafted him for the wrong reason. So let's go back. Would you draft? <laughs> would you would you draft him? At what pick? Top ten. No. Nope. So, somebody's gonna. Somebody's gonna. I know. I know. Of course. Of course. Somebody. Are we ever gonna play golf? Or are you just gonna play golf and then say we should play golf sometime? Well, uh, look, I, you know I play Shinnecock. I didn't let you know. It. I don't know if you knew that. You played Shinnecock? Yeah. Uh huh. Did you? Did you? Did, did, was it Jimmy Jackson proof? Like Tiger proofed? No, listen. They didn't even really. They were letting they were letting the rough go because of U.S. Open is to be their next month. The greens were a little meaty. They didn't shave because you know they got a lot of false fronts, so they didn't shave them yet. So it's still a little forgiving, but it didn't matter with my game. I mean, shooting eighty four was great. From I had a ball, bro. It wait, was it was unbelievable. You, wait, you shot eighty four playing it down from the tips. No, heck no. Hell no. I just, I, I, I had no idea what you, I, like, you play golf all the time. You're an listen, incredible like, athlete. Uh, I'm like, 80, I, I 84, I just go, okay. Listen, I, I, I don't have an ego when it comes to golf. I know my lane, okay? I would love to have played the, the back, but that would have been, that have been sick. Okay, so, what, so, there, so what, what, what did you play from the blues? Did you play from the white? Yeah, we play, we, we play one up. We play one up from the back. Okay, and you shot an 84 playing it yeah, down. Playing it down. Playing it down. Put, putting it out. Yeah. Yeah, putting it out, and I missed at least two birdie putts and about three par putts that I should have made. How about that? I'm sure you watched. Just Sunday. saying. I, I'm, I'm sure you watched Sunday. I'm I'm all in on Tiger because he's driving the Are ball you? straight and long. Are you? What? Wait, he's driving. Not only that, it's putting. Think about how many putts he was able to make. What was it? Six out of ten holes. Uh, he had birdie. So. That to me, when Tiger was really on top of the game, because yep. remember he wasn't as accurate driving the ball. Right, it was his second shot, and then once no, he be- game, right, best iron player was- in the history of golf, and yep. he's and- also unbelievable. Six to ten feet and in, he's he's unbelievable. My yep. thing yep. is, for years he didn't drive the ball straight. Like he drove it drove drove it long when he was first dominating golf, but then he struggled with his driver. He's actually now hitting his driver straight. It's crazy, and it's and it's three wood too. Now remember too, early on he would spread. But he was still had giving himself a shot when he was going through this reconstruction of a swing. I mean, he was missing bad, putting himself in positions where he really couldn't recover. 
a la versus when before he could at least recover out of those. Again, golf is a product of how good how good are your bad shots. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. Second shot game. Hey, great, right. Jim, great stuff as always. Thanks for joining us talking hoops and, and devolving into golf. Appreciate you. We'll see you in the league soon. <laughs> All right, brother. Enjoy the game tonight. Pleasure is mine. Jim Jackson joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. Let me just do this on Robbie Cano. Right? Robbie Cano tested positive for a diuretic. and He's like, look, I got it from a doctor in the DR. I didn't know. That's the worst bunch of bull you know what I've ever heard. All right, it's the type of diuretic that is used as a masking agent, unless he has heart, kidney, or liver issues. Here's the problem with the heart, kidney, or liver issues. If he had heart, kidney, or liver issues, and that's why he took the substance, he wouldn't have played or be playing baseball. Correct? It's like when Brian Cushing, uh, remember when Brian Cushing tested positive and he was like, look, I might have had a tumor. You were working in Houston where MD Anderson is located. If you got popped for something that might have thought you had a tumor, wouldn't you have gone and gotten it checked out? It's not a tumor. And look, I was called every name in the book by uh, Rangers people and baseball people when I said, hey, Adrian Beltre, this is before he got hurt last year, still ridiculously productive, more so productive, late 30s. Am I allowed to wonder? And I did link in the fact that he's from the DR. Where Robbie Cano reportedly get this doctor's note from? There you go. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Let's welcome in the legendary, the one and only Brent Musburger. Uh, of course, he works for VSN Live. Uh, most uh, My Guys in the Desert is the name of the show. Uh Brent, um, your reaction yesterday when the news came down that the Supreme Court was uh, going to overturn that 1992 law. Christmas in May, Mr. Gottlieb. Christmas in May, lad. Uh, You know, it's about time. Uh, You and I both know that any time over the last, well, in your case, maybe 30, and in my case, maybe 50 years, if you want to make a bet, you could certainly do it, but uh, much of it was made with the black market. And now we'll bring it out of the back alleys, move it up front. We'll let the uh, state legislatures uh, screw it up in some states, as I'm sure they will, because we put politicians in charge of sports gambling. So what could possibly go wrong? Yeah, I mean, look, I, my it, there is a red herring there, right, that we knew I, at your phone. No one I know who won a bet on sports didn't bet on sports because it was illegal uh, before yesterday. So I guess I guess my only question, Brent, is, and I hate to be the guy that what about the kids, but is ultimately legalizing it good it, a good message for high school kids, you know, for for people who are not of age to bet, because there are some people that when they become adults or even as children, they make decisions that and they can't handle that gambling can become an addiction. Right, Doug, let me let me just say this: that uh, uh, certainly you always have to be on the alert. But uh, the United Kingdom, Australia, Hong Kong—they have existed for decades, if not forever, with legalized sports betting. And uh, 
people have been raised satisfactorily. Not everybody turns into a problem gambler, just like everybody doesn't turn into a problem drinker once they uh, they outlawed prohibition. Prohibition didn't work with alcohol. It didn't work with sports gambling. And so you're better off living with the consequences, trying to educate, and uh, go from there. What happened? How does this affect Vegas, the place that you live, the place that uh, uh, your network is, the place that, that you uh, have had a great uh, amount of affection for for years? Well, I think for the big event, Doug, such as, and I'm going to list the two biggest, uh, where tourists flock in from all over. One's the Super Bowl, obviously, and the other's March Madness. I would think that the volume would drop off, not significantly, uh, especially as we await to see what California is going to do. They've already got a battle between the Indian casinos and the racetracks brewing over in that state. So people in California will still drop by for the big event. Vegas does not depend on sports gambling. Um, I know the rest of the country would like to believe that. But the revenue from slot machines and table games is significantly higher. And most of the major corporations which own the casinos now, and we take for an example MGM, uh, they take in the bulk of their revenue now from hotels, entertainment shows, and restaurants. Uh, I know that people might find that hard to believe, but this is still going to be a convention capital. But I would say, Doug, uh, to your question that, Probably the crowd for the Super Bowl will be off a little bit. If you have an opportunity, let's say that you live in Connecticut, and let's say that you have flown out here because you like the Super Bowl parties in Las Vegas, you like to bet on the game, you like to see some of your old friends, I would guess at least at the beginning, Atlantic City gets it up and going with a couple of good casinos. It's so much quicker to get there that uh, that crowd would uh, navigate to see, well, what are they going to do down Atlantic City? Let's compare with what they've got out in Las Vegas and then, and then we'll see what happens. Brent Musburger from Vegas Stats and Information Network joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. This is just the perfect time to have you on because not only were you the host of the NFL Today back in the day, but you used to call these NBA, these, these, the greatest NBA series of my life. You used to be on the call for. Um, all right, so compare and contrast the NBA basketball we're seeing now with the golden era of modern NBA basketball in the 80s, to which you were calling all the great play-by-play of, how would you compare and contrast it? You know, Doug, it's so different. Uh, Back in the day that you referred to, when you were a youngster growing up and falling in love with basketball, uh, the players worked together as a team. Uh, They were not as good athletically as the athletes are now. And, of course, the three-point shot was not in vogue. So that you see an entirely different game. I don't recognize it uh, when Houston comes down with Harden on the ball or if he's on the bench, Paul on the ball, and you got Capella running the pick and roll, and you keep everybody out of the middle over on the wings, and you go from there, and you either shoot threes or you shoot layups. Uh, So it's a significantly different game. But but I want to make it perfectly clear that I think the overall athletic ability of the guys in the NBA today superior to when I was covering it on a daily basis. And back in that day, it was entertaining from a different standpoint because five guys were working together, coming off of screens, trying to get open. Uh, There was hand checking. It was a little more physical than it is today. So it's just an entirely different game, Doug. I, 
I enjoyed both of them. I loved it back in the day with the Celtics and Magic coming up with the Lakers and that wonderful, wonderful era of Larry Bird and that. But I, but I'm equally uh, entertained by watching the Golden State Warriors, for example, get on a 12-0 run, which they seem to do in just about every game that I've ever watched them in. And I'm, I'm fascinated, for example, tonight to see if the athletic ability of a very young Boston Celtic team can continue to thrive against Superman. Uh, and the rest of the Cavaliers, and it's a, it's a team basketball that the, the Celtics sit, tend to play a little bit more of that, and of course the Cavaliers, when in doubt, as that great Saturday Night Live cartoon depicted, give the ball back to LeBron as quickly as you can and get out of his way. All right, so I, I, I before you joined us, I was talking about that with about LeBron, which is like tonight feels like a night to which I, I you don't he won't he'll never go James Harden. But he has to almost go James Harden, right? Like we didn't see that that killer instinct in him. We didn't see the takeover LeBron, the Jordan esque LeBron come out the other night. Tonight's a night to which he has to he has to go all in on winning, doesn't he? I absolutely agree. Right from the very beginning, Doug, uh, I was very very impressed by what the Celtics did defensively. First of all, Morris put his money where his mouth is. He said he could do a job defensively. But it was interesting that the game plan was don't pick him up with Morris right away. Let Morris go with somebody else in the wing. And then when you get the pick and roll to let him decide what to do on top, make sure Morris switches on him. And I thought it was very effective. And as you know, because you've been around basketball a lot, uh, how the coaches uh, design a different game plan. And we'll see a different plan on the part of the Cavaliers tonight. But to your point, You're 100% right. From the very first series, they've got to go through LeBron tonight to get themselves a a win in Boston and go home even with this series at 1-1. I have been fascinated that Van Gundy on the broadcast said before game one started that he thought the Celtics were a better team. Obviously, nobody's as good as LeBron. But I, and I tend to agree with that. If I had to vote right now, Doug, on the Rookie of the Year, it would be beyond a shadow of a doubt Jason Tatum over anybody else. I'm very, very impressed. He he plays beyond his years as far as I'm concerned. No, it's 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 absolutely crazy. Absolutely crazy um, that here's a guy. Now, look, going into the draft last year, Brent, I told everybody who would listen, he's the most ready to play. I just didn't know he'd be this ready to play, especially, as you know, playoffs are a higher level. And for a guy who's 20 years old to be playing at this high level of competition and playing this well is uh, is remarkable. I mean, it's not you know Magic 19 when you covered him with the Lakers, but outside of that, it's 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 really really incredible what what they're able to do. All right, so the big question is: We would always wonder when you we were watching a game that you would call, "Who does Brent have?" Right? It's a game that everybody played at home. Who does Brent have tonight? <laughs> I'm well aware of that. And uh, the truth of the matter is, and Dennis Swanson, an executive I had at ABC, Doug, he and I talked about it, and he asked me not to bet on games that I was broadcasting, and I agreed. I, I thought it was, uh, it was a good idea on his part. Any other game? Fair game, my friend. When I was looking for scores or watching another monitor, I might have action on all of those games. But I, I stayed away, but I was always very aware of what the numbers were, mm-hmm. and I always knew where we were headed. Uh, way, way back in the day, uh, back before the Magic era, I bet a director, a CBS director, he and I were doing a game in Portland on a tape delay. 
And I've had dinner for the production crew. I think it was about a half dozen back in that day. And uh, I jumped all over a Laker player who took what I thought was a bad shot at crunch time for me uh, trying to cover the spread. And afterwards, when I walked out, I said, you know, that's unbecoming. Uh, that's not part of what you should be doing with the game. Shame on you. And, and I really never did it again. So who do you have tonight? <laughs> I have the Celtics to win the series at plus 245 when it opened. In other words, you put up 100, right, right. Yeah, you, you win. win 245. What is it now? It's down to about 130. Interesting, though, that the Cavs are still favorites, even though there's a blowout in game one. Yeah, I think that the, the bookies, Doug, believe that uh, there's more betting money coming in on LeBron it's simply because it's LeBron. And uh, you pointed out he should take the game over right away tonight. So, you know, they always factor in where's the public going to go on this? And they might not have caught up with the Boston Celtics. I think a lot of them were in on the Philadelphia 76ers, thought that they might win the um, Eastern Conference. So I don't, I don't have an individual bet. I, uh, full disclosure, I split last night. I took the Golden Knights thinking that it might be time for an emotional letdown for a very outstanding Winnipeg Jets team. Cashed on that, but I lost. I took Houston in game one, uh, gave, gave a point and a half, I think was the number that I got. Split for the night, but because it was plus 120, uh, laid 110, so I won $10 for the night. So you can see that. <laughs> <laughs> even, even the best one went to. rich bet not sporting. Hey, l- last, last thing, Brent. For, for people who sure. don't, and look, I almost never talk about hockey. I just, I just don't. Just national radio, it, it doesn't resonate. But I do, I have a bunch of, fr- I have a bunch of friends, not just you, friends that live in the desert. And they all tell me, like, the, the hockey thing is unbelievable. you got to go. It's, un, it's taken over the town. What, what, what is this really like to be a guy who's in Vegas and the hockey thing is this big? Your friends are right. It has taken over the town. They came last fall at a, at a very low point in the morale of this city because of the tragedy of the shooting incident down there at the music festival. And they had, Doug, what I thought was one of the most moving ceremonies that I have ever watched uh, prior to their first game of the season. The, uh, the first responders, the nurses, the doctors, some of the police officers, each of the nights uh, came out just prior to dropping the puck with one of those first responders. And then we have uh, England is a defenseman on the team who has lived in Las Vegas for the last decade, and he spoke to the crowd and, and emphasized how they were going to be behind them. And then the hockey players, Doug, they went out of their way to go to the hospital to visit some of the survivors. Uh, they went to fundraisers uh, for the families afterward. Uh, they have proven to be such really good citizens here, and they've sort of united Las Vegas. It's very hard to unite around a slot machine. But in came this, the first big-time professional sports team in this city, And then they went out, I think they won about eight of their first nine or ten games, and they went from there. And so people got caught up in the euphoria. I have friends who bought $20, $50 tickets on them to win the Stanley Cup at 200 and 300 to 1, thinking they were just betting souvenirs. Well, instead of souvenirs, they could have pure gold if they keep it going. It has been – my wife very seldom gets emotionally involved with a team. She wouldn't miss one of their games, either in person or watching it on television. And I know she's not alone in this community. 
it's been a rallying point, but it also, uh, I see Mr. Davis, the owner of the Raiders here, for many of their games. And he is so encouraged by how the town has rallied around the hockey team because his stadium is going up here and his football team, the Raiders, will be moving in here in about three seasons. So it's uh, it's really a uh, something to behold. The handle is the highest ever in the history of this town for the overall wow. hockey wagering and uh, led, of course, by the Vegas Golden Knights. And it is worth, everybody should go by and, and see one game, even if you're not a hockey fan. It, it's very enjoyable. And they got the park outside. And, uh, you know, you can buy food, you can buy beer. And uh, people, uh, people are so jovial. And we got a lot of out-of-town fans come in. And it has been great for the city of Las Vegas, Doug. Great stuff, Brent. Brent, thanks so much for joining us again. It's the uh, uh, Vegas Stats and Information Network. You can check them out over on uh, Sirius XM. And, of course, follow them on Twitter, at Brent Musburger. The great Brent Musburger. Brent, thanks so much. You got it, Doug. Anytime. Thanks. Pleasure is mine. It is one of those things to which, if you're me, and Brent Musburger knows you by name and knows something about you, you, like I know I've been doing this a while and I shouldn't, it was a cool moment. It's Brent Musburger, right? Brent Musburger. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball. From growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at First, first Listen. Listen. This season... We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. 
and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.